Hello, my name is Patricia, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Haiku P podcast, episode 17 of the fourth series. So what are we up to this time? Well, I have a little bit of housekeeping for you, and then I'd like to invite you to a chat that Mark Gilbert and I had about long haiku, and about haiku in general. We also have some challenges for you. Listen on, and we'll tell you about them. Well, as I publish this podcast, it's the beginning of September 2021, and there are lots of new bits and bobs to tell you about. This week, Linda L. Ludwig and Rennie Schaefer contributed a haiku moment for us, and Robert Horobin sent me a wonderful video. That's our September video prompt. You'll find both of these videos on the website, or on our YouTube channel. Do go along to YouTube and make some comments, write some poetry, and interact with the Poetry P community. Submissions have opened for the latest topic, freestyle haiku and senryu. You can send us any haiku or senryu you like during the submission period, but don't forget, it ends on the 20th of September. As usual, James Young and Robert Horobin are waiting for your submissions, and this month they've been joined by Craig Kittner. If you'd like to join the editing team for the podcast for next year, or be a community judge, do let me know by email. I think everyone's enjoyed doing it, and some of you have even volunteered to come back and do it again. And speaking of next year, here are some tasks for you. I'm putting together the schedule, and I'd like to know what you'd be interested in thinking and talking about. I'm also putting out a call for speakers. If you'd like to come on the podcast and do maybe a 20-minute presentation on a topic that you are passionate about, a haiku topic, that is, then let me know. And if you've got a haiku book that you'd like to read to us, send me an email and we'll talk about it. Now, there'll be more challenges later, but let's go and listen to the chat I had with Mark. The internet fairies were kind to us, and all went well, except that there's a little tick on the audio which I just couldn't edit out. Apologies for that. But I hope you enjoy our chat, nonetheless. At the end, I'll tell you what I took away from it. And perhaps, after you've listened, you'll send Mark and I some feedback here at Poetry P. An email to me will be fine, and I'll pass your thoughts on to Mark. Today I'm joined by Mark Gilbert. Many of you will know him already because he regularly contributes his poetry to the podcast. He came along to talk to us about Huku in series two, in episode 17 to be precise, and he was recently a guest judge for the Kigo submissions in season four, episode 12. Now Mark is a UK poet who was born in the Garden of England, the county of Kent, which was the county next door to where I grew up. You all know I like to introduce my guests by reading one of their poems, and today I turn to a poem that was in issue 26.1 of Blythe Spirit in February 2016. Saturday night comedian, the paramedic at the start of his shift. Saturday night comedian, the paramedic at the start of his shift. 
Now, Mark, this felt like a very British poem to me with uh, dry, almost macabre British humour, a contrast between the occupation of the comedian and that of the paramedic. And I could picture someone coming on duty in a light mood. You know, we all, we all know this person who's the life and soul of the party who makes wise cracks. But then the poem takes a turn and suggests the weariness of that person at the end of their shift and hints at the horrors that that person might have had to face. So much information in so few words. And in terms of syllables, a long haiku. But I think we're going to be exploring that idea later. <laughs> So why long haiku? Well, Mark and I chat between many of the podcast episodes and we got onto the topic of long haiku. And I thought it was a topic of interest which Mark should come along and share with us. And I'm going to get the party started with this poem from one of our previous guests, Stanford M. Forrester, from his book, The Toddler's Chant. A mason jar full of wildflowers. The thistle always lasts the longest. A mason jar full of wildflowers. The thistle always lasts the longest. Now, I don't want to preempt what Mark's going to say. So I'll leave that poem hanging with you and say, Mark Gilbert, welcome back to the podcast. Let's chat about long haiku. Yes, well, th thanks very much, Patricia. It's great to be back on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I do like that haiku very much. And with its very, very long, well, quite long first line. Yes. Which is one of the things that we can talk about today. So the, the first thing I was going to say is that uh, I, I actually think that all haiku are short, really. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but I think that the, those of us involved in haiku, I mean, we often sort of forget that, actually. And it, it's a bit like the elephant in the room. But these one of the main things that we are involved in when we do haiku, things sort of short. And so even talking about a long haiku is a bit of an oxymoron. And basically to everyone apart from the very few people who write haiku and study it, all haiku are incredibly short. And so we shouldn't get too wrapped up in uh, how long is a hike? <laughs> and when I looked for examples of what I would call long haiku, you know, I found very few. And most of those were either over 10 years old or were written in old fashioned style or maybe from people who've been doing it for quite a while. I do feel that fashions have changed over that period. I feel there is a much stronger focus on what I would sort of call minimalism nowadays. In my opinion, haiku have got sort of smaller over the last sort of decade or maybe a couple of decades. And I, I think that's partly because of the influence of the, the internet and social media. But I also think it's, it's this area of what I would called today a kind of literary haiku, the, the kind of let's say serious haiku that we're talking about here and that community, I think it has wanted to distinguish itself from the 575 haiku community, which is not totally separate, but I think there has been a desire to, to 
distinguish these kind of haiku from the 575 ones. And part of that, I think, is to make them smaller and different in form. And, and for me, it's fun to come to the definition of a haiku, or where's the border of a haiku, and test that some of the time. And look at some of the, you know, what I, what I might call rules. I mean, I know some people don't like talking about rules and things. I think there are sort of rules about what you should and shouldn't do with haiku and what haiku should look like and what it shouldn't shouldn't look like. And I think it's it's fun for some people to test that, break the rules, uh, look look at the borders, you know, and say, I mean, it's one thing I like to say, I don't know if I've got an answer, but I like to say, what is a haiku? Is this a haiku? Is it not a haiku? When 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 does something become not a haiku? Um, you know, which is perhaps esoteric, but that's kind of where I'm at when talking about long haiku. You know, I, th I think taking something which is totally contrarian and saying, oh, I'm, I'm just going to write a long haiku, you know, whatever that is. You know, I, I think that's an interesting thing for me to do. And I feel that it might help people to break out of, of the sort of set way of doing things, maybe come up with something different, maybe connect to other forms of writing. Because I think sometimes with haiku, you know, we do sort of pigeonhole it and we say, this is, this is haiku. And it's become quite separate, even from tanker. And it may also help us to recover other techniques that maybe get squeezed out when all we are doing is trying to write really, really tiny haiku. I'm not really talking about how long a haiku is, how many mm -hmm. syllables. You know, I'm not really that interested in that. But I'm interested in the wider area of how can we write differently or come up with new ideas. Mm. So I hope this is sort of part of that area. I hope so too. And I think that's something I want to continue, continue to look at techniques and to, and to continue looking at the quality of our writing. But again, without wanting to preempt what you're saying, next year perhaps we'll look at how we can make our writing more interesting, how we can make our haiku more interesting, how we can evolve. I'm sure you are dying to ask me, what is a long haiku? <laughs> I was going to, and then I thought, oh, should I? Because well, I'm ready for that. <laughs> we've had some discussions in the past about what haiku are and, and what they're not, but please, <laughs> for, for our purposes today, tell me, what, what are you thinking in terms of long haiku? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I originally started out as a scientist, so, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of deep within me to sort of say, okay, define that. I'm not in science anymore, so that's great. <laughs> so what, what is a long haiku? Or rather, how big is too big for a haiku? Which is perhaps another side of the question. Yes, that's a good way to look at it. So for the purposes of today, I, I'd really say, um, and my, my experience the last few years, you know, anything over 14 syllables, I'd say is probably regarded as a long or a longish haiku, certainly anything with a single line longer than seven syllables. I do find it very rare to find a, 
a line, one line of a haiku, eight syllables or more. I think there is some, dare I say, syllable counting going on among some people. And so I think that because you see so little of this kind of thing, I think people are conscious about the size of these things. Do you think it's, it's editor driven? Yeah, in, in part, yeah. Because I think you do occasionally see editors tell people what a, a good haiku looks like. It was interesting because you and I put together a few haiku before we came to came along today to, to talk. And when I was doing my bit of research, I found that whilst I could find the long haiku, I could find some long haiku in journals, I was finding more where somebody had been able to publish a book of their haiku. Hmm. I suppose it's inevitable that editors influence the way we write haiku. I would like to think that what we're trying to do here today as well is to try and broaden the scope and say, bring your ideas to the, the podcast, to the Poetry P, and let's work on it together and see what we can come up with. I mean, I've, I've certainly had some editors suggest that I remove one or two words from my haiku in the past. And, you know, sometimes I've, I've agreed with them and I, I've gone along with it. And other times I've dug my heels in and... Um, and I said, no, I'm not doing that. I do the same with people if I have a query on a word. But I hope if, if somebody believes in the poem that they've written, that they will come back to me like you did and dig, your, dig their heels in and say, no, that word, that word needs to be there. This is why to that idea. So I, I don't so much syllable count as try and make sure that every word is working at its maximum capacity in a haiku. On this point about how long is a long haiku, mm. I mean, I, I do think that 17 syllables is is the sort of the border, really. I think it's very rare to get something beyond 17 syllables. Well, I think it's rare mm-hmm. any time to get anything beyond 17 syllables. Yeah, so I did find uh, a few examples of previously published uh, long haiku. But like you, I, I, I found there's not an awful lot of them around. The first one I found was by uh, Richard Wright. And this was actually written in the late 1950s. A sleepless spring night, yearning for what I never had and for what never was. A sleepless spring night, yearning for what I never had and for what never was. So this, I think, was only actually published after um, his death. But yes. he was a, a novelist. Um, and you know, today, it's really out of fashion because it's got punctuation in it. It's got capital letters, which is a, another no-no, of course. And it's got grammar in it. It's it's grammatical, which is amazing, you know, really. So so strange to see that in a haiku. It's got it's 19 syllables, including quite a long middle line. But to me, it's recognizably uh, a haiku. And you know, I, I would call it an English language haiku mm-hmm. because it's to me it's historical comes from the 1950s, which I th- to me is amazingly ancient 
for a haiku. And really anything earlier than the 2000s, to me, is, is quite old for a haiku, you know, apart from the, the Japanese stuff. But it's it's written by somebody and it's it's not been translated. So we don't have to worry about whether it's been translated and when it was translated and what was the fashion at the time it was translated. You know, this is how this, this writer wanted it to be. So it's a bit like a sort of a time capsule. And to me, it still stands up as a haiku now, which I think is quite interesting because not all of the stuff I think from the 1950s does hold up and has aged as well as this. I read that book recently. I think not all his poems stand up as haiku now. Like you said, he's, he's writing in the 1950s, so there was some idea of, of the idea of a Japanese haiku, and it was starting to become well-known in the English language sphere. But you're right, this one is written exactly as he wanted it to be, without the influence of of the translators that were, that were translating at the time or, or earlier, translating earlier as well. Yeah. Or, or editors, of course. Or editors. I think he was pre, pre-editor. He was pre-editor and I think, um, God love him, he was, he was writing these haikus in Paris, wasn't he? Because he wasn't very well and he'd had political problems in the US and so he, he'd exiled, he'd become exiled in Paris and he was ill. And so I think he was writing the haiku as a, as a diversion, probably. So it, they're very, very, very interesting poems. I imagine that he was cut off from things that were happening in the US, the, the developments of haiku in the US. Hmm. Because, I mean, obviously in the 50s, it wasn't like today, you'd have to wait for a letter to come backwards and forwards to share ideas or for books to, to come out to share ideas. Whereas today, if we have an idea, we can immediately put it into some sort of social media or email it to a friend and say, what do you think? So his book is very interesting from that respect as, as well. And the other thing I would say about it is that it's long, but if you were editing it, would you take things out? I don't think you would. I would say you probably could, but I, I would okay. prefer it not to be, you know, I, I think it's fine as it is. I mean, I, I think today it, it undoubtedly would be edited down by somebody. Perhaps the writer would have, would have edited it down themselves. He would probably have written it very differently, knowing what was going on in the contemporary field of, of haiku. But tell you what would be interesting, and we don't have time to do it now, but, but if anyone who's listening to us now would like to go and have a look at that poem on the show notes and if you have ideas how you would write it with a contemporary feel how you would edit it mm. write in let us know and, and mark if i get anything i'll share it with you and we'll see yeah. see what comes through the the other thing i was just going to mention here i, I don't want it to be what, what i call an excuse for flabby editing <laughs> you know and just because something is is longer you know, it, it should be as difficult to edit, if not more difficult, than something which is very, very small. And, yeah. you know, each we should have that, that same sort of care over getting it right. But what's different is, is that it's a different process of editing. It's not a, a case of, of kind of having a brainstorm and say, OK, let's chop this down, let's try this line. Let's, let's make it smaller and smaller until we get too small. But this is a different process. 
where we can perhaps add things in and take them out again and put them back in and replace them with other things because we don't have to worry about getting bigger or being too big or you know the le the length of the lines not quite matching you know we don't have to worry about that if we're doing this kind of thing you know we're not as concerned about how the whole thing balances we certainly don't have to think about counting syllables no definitely not counting syllables and then if it doesn't balance, that could be part of the effect you're trying to that you're trying to achieve anyway. So when you're writing haiku of any kind, you have to con you have to consider so many things. You have to consider the words, the sound. Sometimes what it looks like on the page adds a great deal to to the whole process and that and the feeling of the haiku. I also found this haiku by Hannah Mahoney, written in 2017. Nowhere I need to be. A cabbage moth flits among the daylilies. Nowhere I need to be. A cabbage moth flits among the daylilies. I feel this is one of those haiku where the form and the words work together to produce something greater, a, great, a greater whole. And this haiku, because it's fairly long and leisurely, you know, it takes its time. And I think that fits with the content of, of the haiku, you know, where we're going on this sort of journey, we're just sitting there, uh, like the moth, the haiku itself is sort of flitting around, and uh, we can just enjoy the atmosphere. So I think it works really well. And I, I think it has a, a beautiful tone to it. I think the other interesting thing about this, when you look at it on the page, is it doesn't strike you as a long haiku. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't look at it and think, oh, that is long. I wonder if that is important too. It's unlike Richard's. Richard's, you could see on the page, it does look very long. Hannah is has written a longer longish poem, but it's very neat. It's it's well worded. And it's, I think if we, we quote Ben Gar on a previous podcast, he talked about um, haiku being simple and succinct. It's certainly that. There's nothing pretentious about it. Every word has a reason for being there. And it's suggestive of, as you say, a day spent doing nothing, really. Just having the time to observe things that you would normally miss. And as you rightly say, maybe the length of it gives you that feeling. I found another one that I was going to read from uh, Gary Hotham. And this was just written last year. Blank spaces on the checkerboard, weeds moving into her flower beds. Blank spaces on the checkerboard, weeds moving into her flower beds. This is another one which is actually 17 syllables, uh, but which to me is miles away from the usual kind of 575 haiku that you do find. It has an funnel shape on the page it's got a really long first line and then it kind of goes down so the the second two lines are actually not long at all it's really the first line is the one that makes it big and sort of ungainly on the page and then it sort of moves down and then you end, eventually end up where the haiku ends up and that's the way I, I see it 
I do feel Gary is more interested in getting across the the, the scene or the the image than he is in cutting it down into a, a you know a nice kind of bite-sized haiku. A word like checkerboard is not a word you would actually put in a haiku because it's quite big and it's got difficult to fit in. So a lot of time you'd say, mm, you know, I'm not going to use that word. I'm going to find another way of doing it. But, but he, you know, he's put it in there and, you know, I think it works. Yeah, because it's, it's the right word. That's important. We spend a lot of time crafting these poems and... As you say, some people might change, might have changed or, or thought, I'm not going to write that as a haiku because checkerboard is just too long a word. But, you know, sometimes we have to stick to our guns and think, oh, that's the right word. Let's put it in. And it's an interesting visual haiku too. I mean, that's another one of the things that I, I don't like, which I'm sure has got some come from social media, that everything is now left-hand justified so conventional fonts, no punctuation or, or not much punct Certain punctuation is allowed and most, a lot of punctuation is not allowed. And so it's very rare to see even things which are sort of centred or have different indentations. I've tried to do things with uh, visual presentations and sent them to journals and had a lot of them rejected. And possibly some of it is because it's difficult to format when you're putting it journal together maybe we just aren't used to seeing something visually interesting as well and you know yourself you're less accepting of something when you when you're not used to it when it's new and it's risky and i hope in some ways that what we're going to encourage today is people taking a bit of a risk a calculated risk because people people are are good at their craft and they they really look at what they're doing and what they're they're trying to achieve but um maybe evolving something, maybe creating something a little bit new. But we shall see what comes in, won't we, Mark? <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, in that spirit, uh, you, you asked me to put one of mine in. I've yes. got very few of these, but I, I did find this one, which, which is one of mine, which is consciously trying to do something different or several things different, probably. It's day now, it's night now. It's day now, it's night now, it's day now. It's night, sing the cicadas. It's day now, it's night now. It's day now, it's night now. It's day now, it's night, sing the cicadas. Never sure if I pronounce the word cicadas right, but that's the way I used to pronounce it when I was a kid. Let's, let's not go there, because I think you and I have had this discussion. <laughs> yes. And I, no, I won't correct you because I see that word and I think, oh my goodness, and the number of times I have to um, record, check, and then think, oh, now I've said it wrong. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it the way you said it. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about this because it's, it's one of mine, but I hope it still has a haiku feel to it. And I hope it is doing some of the things that we want haiku to do and it is consciously trying to look like a haiku on the page so you know yes it's big i mean it's actually 22 syllables it's pretty big for haiku <laughs> but it's three lines you know it is three lines 
and that you know that's something else that I think is is part of haiku is the line breaks and the three line structure. So I'm sort of trying to explore that, doing something bigger, but still keeping that structure. You know, it's it's trying to hopefully have with that slightly bigger stage that gives us a little bit more freedom to try different things and maybe different approaches maybe words that we wouldn't normally use in a haiku i mean this this one's loaded with repetition mm -hmm. and again repetition is something that you know, easily get edited out yeah um, and then you end up with something really really short but and sometimes the effect of repetition is to sort of hammer hammer into people and you can only read really to do that if you take a bit of space to do that yeah i mean i think the other interesting thing about this one and people are going to have to go to the show notes and read it which i hope they do anyway but if, if you go to the the show notes and read the poem you'll see that it's it's punctuated which you don't usually see in a haiku that's get, that gets published these days and i wanted just to ask mm. you why why did you decide to do it that way i think i was trying to make it a bit disorientating so i was trying trying to do things in it that people weren't expecting to see yeah. um, and one of those things it, i mean i, I would say it's kind of it's like an extreme personification you know we're, we're, we're often told oh don't use personification but in this i've i've got you know talk, talking cicadas or cicadas who are singing singing words or describing what they see around them. You know, and I, I, I kind of know, well, they're not really doing that because they're insects. But I, I'm just trying to sort of turn it around, to turn it inside itself and give people an opportunity to sort of think in things another way. And so by putting quotation marks around it and saying, you know, sing the cicadas, it's like, it's almost like it's lifted out of some sort of weird novel or something. I want to go back to what you said was about the disorientation and about personification. I pick up on the personification. A lot of people will have received many emails from me saying, mm, I'm not going to take that one because of the personification. <laughs> but in this particular in instance, I think I would it would pass. I hadn't even thought about the personification because, um, and maybe this is the sort of disorientation. I, I was in the, in the midst of this disorientation and sort of, misreading it maybe maybe this is what you were trying to make me do but in my head anyway what you were voicing is is what you were hearing in in, in your head as you as you listen to them you know so it, it that didn't trouble me at all the personification I'm gonna have to rethink now probably now you've brought it to my attention this disorientation is something I'm trying to explore myself at the moment I think it's a very useful technique it's something I really enjoy when I read it in somebody's, when I see it in somebody's work. The other thing I would say about this is it, it is one of those haiku where the, the moment or the image, in this case, it's about three days long. And I do like ones like that. I think, um, I think you've just given us another topic to talk about next year as well. How, how do you, you know, we always talk and I bang on about talking about haiku being of the moment. But it is possible to express time or the passing of time in a haiku. We'll come back to that next year, Mark. Yeah, so, so those were the ones that I found. To, to finish, I, I suppose 
I would just reinforce having a healthy diversity of styles and different approaches and inspirations within the haiku community. I do have to say that is what one of the things that your high, your podcast does really well. Thank you. Yeah, you do encourage that and you do encourage us all to think differently about what we do and to think of different challenges and different ways of expressing ourselves. So I think that's great. Thank you. Well, I would like to just finish them with, with one of my choices. And my choice, or one of them was by Wally Swist from the Wales Haiku Journal in spring 2020, so last year again. January thaw, stacks of yellowed hay bales steaming in the meadow. January thaw, stacks of yellowed hay bales steaming in the meadow. I love Wally Swist. Yeah, and they. He doesn't seem to worry about the length. He just, he writes and he writes beautifully and he has a, a real voice, I think, that he yeah. speaks with. Just, I love his gentle, imagistic poetry. Mark has come along and spoken to us about long haiku. We've had a discussion and some <laughs> examples of, hi of, of haiku and we're going to encourage you to come along and, and write for us your version of a long haiku. But what I'd say to you is, yes, we want you to push the boundaries. We want you to experiment, but there, we'd still have to write haiku. That's what we're all about, haiku or senryu. And I would say to you, have a quick look at the submission guidelines and you'll see that we do specify succinct. But I wanted just to define that a little bit because in my mind, succinct doesn't necessarily mean short. It means make every word count in your haiku. Use the words you want. Use the words that make your haiku work for you. And don't worry, as Mark said, about the length of the word. I mean, look at checkerboard. How many of us would have used that word? Be adventurous. Because the point of, of poetry P is not just to discuss what haiku are, but we want to be open-minded. And as we grow and we continue to grow, I'd really like to see us be a part of the evolution of haiku. And I think today's podcast is going to help with that. And I'd like to thank Mark very much for, first of all, bringing up the topic for us to discuss and for coming along today, for doing all the work for today's episode and for encouraging us to be evolutionary in our thinking. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. Well, Mark's gone. But before I go on to tell you what I took away from the chat with him, I just wanted to tell you where some of the poems you've just heard were first published. Richard Wright's poem is from Haiku, This Other World. Hannah Mahoney from Acorn 39. Gary Hottens was from Hedgerow, issue 131. And Mark's poem is as yet unpublished. In the chat we've just had, we concentrated on long haiku in the form of three lines. But I wanted to give you an example of a long monoku. It's by Michael Dudley from his book, Pilgrimage. Snow swirling on the frozen river, a lone skater practicing 
toe loops. Snow swirling on the frozen river, a lone skater practicing toe loops. And just like the examples of the three-line haiku we gave you, this is a lean monoku, by which I mean each word has its place in the poem. So when we put out our call for submissions for long haiku, you can send us any long one to four line haiku. The important thing is that your haiku or senryu, of course, should be recognizably of the genre. So what are my major takeaways from our chat? Well, Mark is expecting that your haiku would be 14 syllables or more. If you're counting syllables, stop. Your experience and your confidence will guide you. Just choose the right words for your poem. When we write poetry with so few words, each word we choose must work hard. Don't be put off by the length of the word. Just choose the right one. But remember, haiku should be succinct. And by succinct, I don't mean short. I mean brief and more importantly, concise. Now, when it comes to submitting for long haiku, as Mark said, we want to encourage you to be daring. But at the same time, I am expecting haiku or senryu. So please do make yourself familiar with our guidelines. I hope you had an enjoyable visit with Mark and I. And we're both really looking forward to reading your long haiku submissions. So now we're nearly at the end of the podcast. And I have a couple of reminders for you. Mark and I have challenged you to think about how you would edit Richard Wright's haiku to make it more contemporary. If you have some thoughts, do email me and I'll share them with Mark. Don't forget, this month you can send any haiku or senryu you like as your submission to Poetry P. We're here and waiting with bated breath to see what you're going to send us. Next time on the podcast, we're going to be listening to your original haiku and senryu using place names. You know what? It was very interesting to edit your submissions. And I hope you'll come along and listen. We're going on a global voyage of discovery. And one last thing. I wanted to give you an update on the coffees you send me. You know I'm saving for a new microphone. And as I put this podcast to bed, I'm really happy to tell you that I'm 45% of the way to achieving my new mic. Thank you to everyone who's helping me. I hope you'll join me next time on the podcast. Until then... Keep writing. I hope you go to the show notes and have a read of all the delicious poems that Mark and I chose for this week's episode. And if there's something missing or you need clarification, just send me an email. Ciao.